once a year we honor Jesus, we honor his resurrection. And then uh, once a year we honor the coming of the Holy Spirit. But I ask myself a question, uh, what one day do we set aside to honor the Father? And I couldn't think of one. And I went to several different church areas and that, as far as I could tell, there wasn't one. And so uh, I set about to begin to study on the fatherhood of God. As a matter of fact, I got so excited that I was planning on writing a book. You know how you get excited, I'm going to write a book so other people can share. And it, well, that all changed on Monday because uh, as I began to uh, copy and paste scriptures that had to do with the Father in heaven, and I began to read through them uh, uh, in the Gospel of John especially, uh, there was something that happened to me. And uh, I haven't been able to process it all. Uh, I have come to a conclusion, but I had an experience. It was like an awareness that uh, it was like a consciousness that as I began to study and began to read about the relationship of the father with the son, it just uh, it blew me away. As a matter of fact, the the reality of that type of union was so real that uh, I was uh, I was unable to come up with a coherent thought uh, concerning what uh, what I was sensing in in my heart, and it took me a while to begin to understand that uh, there is such a union between God the Father and God the Son, unique, that uh, nobody else shares it. And what I began to realize, it just, it, it caused me to reel backwards in my heart. And I began to realize that uh, the way that I was trying to proceed in knowing the Father was impossible to me. And you think about it, you think about uh, who the Heavenly Father is. Think about the awesomeness of our Heavenly Father. Think about the fact that He dwells in unapproachable light. How can you approach somebody who is surrounded by unapproachable light? How can you communicate with somebody that has 100% of the knowledge of the universe? What percentage of the knowledge of the universe do you and I possess? There's things about the universe we haven't even discovered yet, and we've been looking to the heavens for thousands of years. And yet there's part of the universe that we have absolutely no knowledge of whatsoever. We haven't even been able to get out of our solar system. We haven't, even be, we haven't yet set foot on Mars. And we're now, after thousands of years, we're talking about it. How do you communicate with a being as vast as he is? That the scripture says that the heavens can't contain him. And the answer is we can't. You can't walk up to God the Father and have a conversation with him. You can't do it. God the Father, the Lord God condescended to Moses 
to allow him to see his back parts only. Because he told Moses, do not look at my face. No man can look at my face and live. How do you approach somebody face to face that is dynamic as that? You can't. But yet, even though in his person, we're talking about just him, even though he's unknowable, he has made himself known. And he wants you and I to know him. And so he sent Jesus. God manifest in the flesh. That is the exact, I mean, Paul in writing to the Hebrews says he is the exact image of God. There's no difference between the Son and there's no difference between the Father. John said this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Greek there is pros theos, meaning that there was such an equality, such a face-to-face -face reality between the Father and the Son, you couldn't tell the two apart. You know, I had strong doubts about the pre-incarnation of Christ, but uh, Monday uh, all those doubts were erased. And I understood that there's a heavenly Father that is so far above us whose intellect knows no limit. His power knows no limit. His knowledge knows no limit. I mean, when we talk about 100% of the knowledge of the universe, uh, that doesn't even register on the intellect of the Lord God. There's so much more that He is. And when we think about these things, and yet we think about He's a God that is good. Paul tells us it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. He is good. 100% good. As all-powerful as He is, He's all good in the same way. His character is such that you and I can't comprehend it. As a matter of fact, we know that our God is incomprehensible. I mean, this is what the Scriptures describe our Heavenly Father. That He is a compassionate Creator and the compassionate Creator of man. He created man knowing full well what man would do. But yet He created him anyway. Breathed into him the breath of life and man became a living soul. He is a faithful God. And He is a Father to all that call upon Him. He is glorious and good. He is full of grace and shows abundant mercy. He is holy, unchanging, all-knowing, and all-powerful. And He changes not. He is impartial in judgment, incomprehensible in knowledge. He is infinite, invisible. He is the judge and the king. He is long-suffering, He is merciful, patient, and kind. He is perfect in all of His ways, and His love is perfect. He dwells in unapproachable light, and all of His ways are past finding out. How can you and I possibly be able to communicate with a being as majestic and as powerful as He is? 
and yet we can. He made that way possible. He sent Jesus. And through the power of the Holy Spirit implanted that divine seed into the womb of Mary who gave birth to him. And the father watched over him for 30 years until he was ready for the ministry. Amen. Praise God. He condescended. God the Father condescended to men of low degree. For what purpose? And so that we might be raised up to be where he is. So that we might have the capacity in us through the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to commune with him. To be able to understand him. And to receive his love. Many of us, and some of us, I'm sure, in this room don't feel like that, uh, that we're worthy of the love of God. Well, I got news for you. You're not. And so he sent Jesus, and it's through Christ that he made you worthy. Through simple faith in him and in his blood, he made you worthy. And he calls you sons today. He calls you daughters today. Hallelujah. Because he loves you. You know, John said this in the third chapter, For God so loved the world. Think about that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The only begotten son and described to Jesus and Jesus only. You and I are begotten through his precious blood. But the only begotten son of God is... to is reserved for Jesus and only Jesus. But God loved us so much, He adopted us into His family through the precious blood of Christ. And He desires fellowship with you. He desires communion with you and me. He desires for us to get to know Him. Well, how are we going to do that? He's incomprehensible. Well, I was telling you that I was going to write a book on the fatherhood of God. And after money, that all just ceased and desist because I realized that book's already been written. This is it. This is the fatherhood of God from Genesis to Revelation. I went through a, a, one of my study books and, and it breaks down all the different facets of, of God, the Lord God and uh, my Lord uh, those listing of scriptures were the Bible from start to finish. He loves us. He loves the world. But do you know why He especially loves you? Because at whatever time in your life that happened, the Holy Spirit revealed the love of the Father to you. He revealed Jesus to you. And you opened up the doors of your heart and you asked Christ to come in. And when Christ came in, the Father God came in. And when the Father God came in, the Holy Spirit came in. And He adopted you into His family. And He made you His very own son or daughter. That's called the operation of God. We're going to look at that just for a few moments there in the book of Romans. But I want to read to you a passage of scripture in Isaiah, <clears throat> chapter 40, beginning in verse 12. Notice what Isaiah says concerning the Lord God. 
Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. Weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or has his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel and who instructed him? And taught him in the path of justice who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket and are counted as the small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor its breast sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to him? The workman molds an image, the goldsmith overspreads it with gold, and the silversmith casts silver chains. Whoever is too impoverished for such a contribution chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeks for himself a skillful workman to prepare a carved image that will not totter. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted. Scarcely shall they be sown. Scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth when he will blow them all away and they will wither and the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his power and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths, youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon him, the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. That's our Lord God. That's the God who loves us. That's the God who loved us so much. He sent Jesus, the perfect, exact image of the Father God in every way, so that through Him we might come to know the Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, in going through the Old Testament, I just picked out seven verses of Scripture. But uh, the Old Testament has so much to say about the knowledge of the Father. You know, we in the church today, we don't really... Read 
like to read the Old Testament, but I'm telling you we're missing it because the Old Testament is filled with the knowledge of the Father God. Hallelujah. In 1 Chronicles 22.10, God was speaking to Solomon, and he says that he would be my son. My son. Not David's son. He would be my son. And I will love him. And I will establish his kingdom. Hallelujah. What has, he, what has God done to you different than what he did for Solomon? Not a thing. Amen. He calls you his son and his daughter. And he's established you. Now, a lot of times we are in the situation that we're in because we're bound and determined to do things our way. That's why we mess up. Who's been there? Don't need to raise your hands. The psalmist declared that God is a father of the fatherless. I don't know. Maybe you've never had a father. Maybe your father died. Like Maybe your father died at a very young age. You didn't have that mentor. You know, fatherlessness is a plague in America. Has been for decades. Young boys grow up, they don't know how to be a man. You know, they try to copy what they find on the street. But that's not being a man. The, the father is the one that shows truthfulness and faithfulness and integrity and character. He trains the son how to grow up to be an adult and to be a, uh, uh, to be a, a member of society, productive member of society. But a lot of boys growing up don't have that. I remember for years, up until my 20s and 30s, ever, whenever I had associated with an older man, I began, my, my heart began to compel uh, towards him to be like a father to me. And it wasn't until in my 30s I began to realize, you know, I don't need to be like that. Because I've had a, I've had a father my entire life. He's the Father in heaven. So He's our Heavenly Father. And He is the one that we are to, to pattern our life after. But so many in the church really don't know the Father. They barely know the Lord Jesus. But yet Jesus said this when Philip asked Him, uh, Lord, show us the Father and it will suffice us. And and Jesus replied to, to Philip, Have you been so long with, that you, with me that you don't even know me? Don't you know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Going back to the exact image of the Father God. So when we look at Jesus, when we study and read the Gospels, and we study the life and the words of Jesus... In those words is the Father's love coming back to us. His desire for us to know Him and to be like Him. The psalmist also declares that the Lord will be like a father to us, one who pities and has compassion for His children. See, that's part of the fatherhood of God. 
And I know dads. Dads can be hard. I was hard on my son. I was hard on my daughter, my firstborn. Boy, I tell you, she was the guinea pig. Lord have mercy. And she still loves me. Praise God. Hallelujah. But see, at 20, in my 20s, I didn't have the knowledge of the fatherhood of God I have today. And I look back now, and let me, let me go ahead and say this. You know, we, you know, we dads, you know, we look back on the way we raised our children, and a lot of times, you know, our life is just filled with regret. With regret. But we cannot live a life of regret because it doesn't profit us. But you know, God knows that. He knows our frame. He knows that we're just dust. He knows our beginning and He knows our end. He knows everything about us. Did your dad ever count the hairs of your head? I don't think so. But the Lord God in heaven did. He knows everything about us. Every cell, every thought. You see, long before you and I were ever born, He had already made the choice to love us. And that love never changes. If God's love changed, then that means He is not God because that means God would change. God does not change. He's good. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. But one thing I did learn in the years, you know, looking back and with regret, you know, the way that I, I raised the children and, and raised my son, I was hard on my son. I called him up one day and apologized to him. Amen. But you know, one thing that the Lord does by His grace and His mercy, He always gives us the opportunity to redeem the time. And so if you look back and you say, you know, I really wasn't the, the kind of father I should have been to my children. Redeem the time. And so I determined that uh, when I would start having grandchildren, I would be a grandfather to my grandchildren the way I should have been a father to my children. And you know what happened? That turned the hearts of my children. Because they saw the love that I had for them. And it touched their heart. You see, and God just worked it out. God, He does all things good. He does all things well, praise God. The Old Testament declares that God is our Father. Hallelujah. He is our Father. Let's say, let's say that again. Father God is our Father. Hallelujah. And that He loves us. I know many of us in the church, we're all tr always trying to earn that love. Always trying to do things. And whenever we fault or whenever we fail, you know, we feel like we have to make up for it. Listen, I want to I wanna end... Uh, this message by going over to Luke chapter 15. I'm sorry we never got over to Romans, but <clears throat> come with me over to Luke chapter 15. Now beginning in chapter 15, we're going to look at the prodigal son here for just a moment, but in the beginning of chapter 15, then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to hear him. Jesus loved the tax collectors and he loves the sinners. When somebody accused him about it, he says, I haven't, I haven't called the righteous, 
There's no need to call the righteous to repentance, but the lost. And he talks about the parable of the lost sheep. And in verse 2 it says, though uh, the Pharisees and scribes complain, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And Jesus gave them a parable about the uh, lost sheep and about the lost coin, about the lost son. The lost sheep wanders off from the flock, gets lost, can't find his way home. So what does the chief shepherd do? He goes looking for him. Leaves the 99 that don't need to be found and goes after that one. You see? You were a lost sheep at one time. And the heavenly father went looking for you. Then there's the lost coin. The coin is just a coin. Doesn't know it's lost. Just winds up in the dust. But like the widow woman... The Heavenly Father just swept the house till he found that coin. But I want to read to you about the lost son. This is a response to what the Pharisees and Sadducees were, and the priests were complaining to the Lord about criticizing him. He says, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Think about that. Think about this. This, is, this parable, Jesus is describing the love of the Father God for those that are lost. The Father did what? The Father had compassion. The Father ran and fell on this lost son's neck and kissed him. Notice, no condemnation, no harsh words, just love and compassion and a desire to have his son back. Dads, think about that the next time your son or your daughter messes up. Think about the father's care. Think about the father's love. Now, I know children need correction. If we don't correct our children, then we really don't love them. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. How many have been there? I have. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat 
and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to be merry. That's the heart of the Father God. That's the God in whom we worship. That's the God that we should set aside time every day just to fellowship with. Amen. And just raise our hands in honor and in reverence towards Him every day. Every day. Hands raised up every day. Amen. The first book we read ought to be the Bible because I want to know more about my Heavenly Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.